0: It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert.
1: So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty?
0: Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil.
2: And inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm JC Sherbert. He's Phil Mullinax. It's happy hump day to everyone. Boy, Phil, this week is flying by.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's good, though, seeing as that was the bye week. Yeah. <laughs> this behind. I mean, I'm,
2: yeah, I'm like, you know, normally, like that, you know, when you have a bye week or something, it just goes so slow. And I, I woke up this morning I'm like, daggob, it's Wednesday, man. So uh, it's already Wednesday. So. Uh, week is going pretty quickly. Weather is starting to change. I know where I'm at. Uh, I know where some other people are at. It's a little rainy and soggy and then it's supposed to get cold. So, uh, summer is over at least where I'm from or at least where I live, uh, <laughs> right now and those beautiful days. And it, it was a gorgeous day in Lexington on a, a little cool at night, but gorgeous days in Lexington. So uh, I think that in life, uh, Life, the weather is sort of. You have different weather patterns in life. You have different weather patterns um, with the weather, uh, and I think just like life, you you kind of. It's always a trade out. You for days, every day, like today, you get a day like uh, we had last Saturday. Uh, Jamie Bradford, right? Phil joining us second hour. Be in right at noon or closely thereafter. So we got him today. That's a wednesday staple here on the show uh and we're also going to uh interact with you guys Nana's ports chat box uh, already hopping and ready to roll today <laughs> got a lot of folks in uh, numbers have been up on the show our, our audience phil the first uh two episodes this uh this week have been outstanding so awesome, thank awesome. you for tuning in that's always one of those things where uh, you know, winning kind of helps people become more interested and stuff like that. Game Texas a and AM next Saturday night, sec, uh, 730 kickoff. Williams Price Stadium and, and Phil. There's a there's some talk that Haynes King, uh, they've already lost Max Johnson, Haynes yeah. King, uh, who threw 46 passes against Bama. They didn't get they didn't get very far on the ground against Alabama, but they they did throw it pretty well. Uh got four turnovers in that game, which I think really almost cost Alabama the football game. Uh, to be yeah. honest, they're sitting there knocking on the door there at the end. But uh, Haynes King could have uh, an injury that keeps him out. Uh, so if the Gamecocks <laughs> uh, don't face King, they'll be facing uh, you know the third team guy over there, and uh, it's not your typical third teamer. Uh, by the way, it's it'll be it will be a true freshman. I can't imagine a worse place for a true freshman to get his first start on the road than Williams-Price Stadium at night. Yeah, not ideal, not ideal. (laughs) But Connor Wegman, uh, five-star prospect from Cypress, Texas, Bridgeland High School, uh, was one of the guys, when when Jimbo Fisher was talking about the A&M recruiting class, he said, this guy's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever recruited. Uh, So he's got talent. He's just been third team. Uh, You know, I don't know how ready he will be or not. I know he's very, very good. Um, and the number two, I think, overall quarterback, uh, in the class, uh, of 2022. I think, um, shoot, I don't remember who number one was. Number number one was the kid at Clemson, Cade Klubnik. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then went Wagman, Ty Simpson from Alabama. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. But, uh, you know, so I, I don't know, good fortune or not, you know, Haynes King is a guy with a lot of talent, but, uh, hadn't always shown it, you know, you you, kind of worry with the, you know, sometimes uh, when you put a true freshman in like that, the adrenaline's going. We've seen it here uh, twice with Steve Tannehill and and Jake Bentley uh, the last 30 years, 1992 and 2016, where true freshman comes in, kind of saves the day. Of course, those guys started at home, you know. I think Jake's game was against UMass, and uh, I think uh, Steve Tannehill was Mississippi State. So that's um so who knows <laughs> who, who knows with that but we'll monitor that situation moving forward um, you know as we get closer to kickoff obviously open date this weekend everybody can sit around uh, and enjoy college football without having to worry about the game poll question for today uh, since we're kind of here at midterm we're doing a lot of review. Uh is Marshawn Lloyd would you consider Marshawn Lloyd the first half MVP for the Gamecocks we got it on Twitter got it on the bigspur.com uh so far uh it's about 94% Marshawn Lloyd yes first half MVP
1: yeah i would i would say so i think he's been you know fairly consistent uh especially over the last 3 games where we made it a point to make him a point <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's got all the skills and uh, that you need to be an excellent running back in this league. So, I mean, it just makes sense that he's starting to shine and, and, and I'm looking forward to more and more from Marshawn. I don't think we've seen the end of this.
2: Sure. Yeah. And on defense, I mean, and, and, uh, that may be a poll question for tomorrow, something the defensive MVP. A lot of folks fun. say Nick, him, and Warre. I'd, I'd, I'd either go Nick or I'd go, uh, Zach Pickens. Right? Zach
1: Pickens would be my pick, I think. You know, Nick obviously is. You know, what can you say about him? Freshman starter, you know, has more tackles on the team than anybody. But uh, I don't know. Pickens, I think, is kind of quietly doing his job (laughs) and maybe not getting all the the big flash and uh, splash plays that you would expect. But, I mean, he's still disrupting things in the backfield. He's pushing men into quarterbacks. It's exactly what you need an interior defensive lineman to do.
2: Yeah, I, I know. I got you there. It's uh, it's one of those things. I, I and Yeah, not not a lot of flashing. Did have a sack the other night, just kind of rolled up in there and got it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's playing well. And I think Taka Hemingway supplanting MJ Webb sort of that other spot while Boogie Huntley's been out, uh, I think it's big. Because I, I know Boogie can do a lot of big stuff once he gets healthy. Uh, I had – Higher expectations for Tonka Hemingway than I did maybe last year. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, last year, that was his first year inside. A little bit of an adjustment period. Uh, but he looks like the player that we saw in 2020 is a true freshman, Phil, that stepped in uh, as a defensive end at the time uh, and played well uh, and flashed a bit. He, you know, he reminds me a lot of Travian Roberts. And, you know, Travian came in and was a defensive end type. Travian was probably actually about – 20, 30 pounds lighter than Tonka. Tonka was like 255. Um, So, you know, he had a little bit further way to go. But Travian ended up being an outstanding uh, interior defensive tackle for the Gamecocks during the Spurrier years. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he he, he kind of fits that mold. I don't know. It's just super athletic, as we've seen, and and just you know another exciting player on defense. It's finally, finally starting to get these guys coming around, JC, to where we can see what you know <laughs> all this hype that they've been living up to preseason. It's been about time.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Nana Sports chat box going to get to that as always. Rodney is in before the manscaped ad. That's commitment. That's I right. Think. Yeah, that's commitment. <laughs> Good morning, Rodney, sir. Glad you're good with morning, us today. Rodney. Craig says, <laughs> gentlemen, Docs, good morning from soggy western North Carolina. I, you know, when it rains up there in the mountains like that, I I sort of like it. You know, I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. as long as you're not getting rained on, sitting out there in the mountains and watching it rain, it is kind of pretty at times. Okay, I don't maybe know. Up, maybe. Here, maybe, maybe here. No. Maybe I'm
1: nuts. As long as it's not
2: raining on me, I'm fine. I like
1: to look at it. Yeah, that's that's the key. That's the key.
2: Clint says, who saw the post on TBS about the 1989 uniform? I'd love to see us wear that combo at some point. Yeah, they did it wrong. It's not – that's not the – the 89 89 was Sparky Woods' first year, and the Gamecocks uniforms look a lot like Alabama. (laughs) They they just said they had no, no Carolina Gamecocks on the front, no names on the back. Uh, Sparky kind of switched back after that, but those it was '88, I think, with uh, the black on black and the garnet helmet. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing that either. That was they had not they hadn't busted that combo out very often. Uh, but I like that a lot better than the all garnet and black helmet. I like the I like the garnet helmet with the the circle on the side yeah. and the uh, the black. So. Anyway, i uh, love to see him break that out. I, I have a sneaky suspicion, Clint, next Saturday night will be big game Garnets Yeah, from the Spurrier era, the White Helmets, Garnet and Garnet. Just a sneaky suspicion, though. <laughs> I don't have any inside info on that. Uh, Tim, Gorns, Tim, Tim Dorn says, good morning. Colin, good morning. John says, news out of Texas A&M. Haynes King seems the rumors. Saunders says rumors of the AM quarterbacks were true. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that's you know I, I don't know what to think because when you see five star quarterback and you heard the praise Jimbo gave to him, you do get concerned, you know, especially around here because we, you know, as Gamecock people, we have kind of a history of that. You know, <laughs> seasons are going terrible. Uh, somebody steps in, the true freshman at quarterback, and plays very, very well. Uh, we also remind everybody, Luke Doty stepped in as a true freshman, all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, that was 0-3, but uh, he did give them a spark. Uh, I think his kid's really, really good, uh, or will be in time. Uh, but you, you also hear a lot about Jimbo Fisher's offense, and you know he's kind of got a complicated offense, a lot like the Gamecocks. A lot of Aggies are not happy when he got the job. Uh, I sort of wondered, you know, because the state of Texas is all about spread and uh, spread and, and and spread. I mean, that's, that's where the air raid, kinda, you know, all the high schools run spread. And I'm like, so you're going to gear this thing down uh, and and run something that you know the high schools don't even run out there. You got to recruit high school talent in Texas. Uh, that was a big question, uh, Phil, I had about Jimbo uh, when he took the job and. I guess I didn't even think about it again until this year. I mean, look, App State is a good football team, but man, they, 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 I think they took an L this past weekend to somebody. Um, you know, they went out there and held them to 14 points. Miami, giving up points in droves these days, held them to 17 on their home field. Uh, they were lucky to beat Arkansas. I, I don't want to say lucky, but Arkansas screwed that one up. Um, you know, the Alabama near miss. Uh, that just kind of shows you back up quarterbacks, man. <laughs> uh yeah. Bama, Bama turned it over. Bad. Yeah, Bama turned it over four times, and then they got blown out by Mississippi State because AM turned it over four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the deal, big deal there. But uh certainly a good opportunity for the game We'll talk more about the game next week and probably get Bradford's uh early opinion on it We'll get him in here in hour number two. Ben says it's a ms defense that worries me anyway. They are very good on defense, very solid. Uh, D.J. Durkin's an outstanding uh, defensive coach. Uh, I was more concerned about their defense coming into the year, Phil, because they are going to have to count on a lot of young players up front, but that didn't seem to hurt them.
1: No, no, uh, they seem to have gotten around that learning curve very quickly on the defensive side of the football, but, yeah, and who knows what's going on with them offensively. Is it is it Jimbo system? Is it just, I don't know, some inexperience, but uh, let's hope they don't figure it out in two weeks.
2: Also, is there running back, I a can't, I, can't, I think his name's Devin A'Kane. He's good. He didn't go very yeah, far okay. against Bama. Yeah. I mean, Bama bottled him up pretty good, but uh, another thing that's interesting about that Bama game, Jameer Gibbs, uh, their running back, had a, Alabama's running back, had a huge game, I guess. Mm-hmm. They uh, so we'll see kind of what happens there. Matt says, J.C., sorry I missed it if you covered it the last two days, but I was in Lexington Saturday night too. Uh, Did you not feel like something weird was going to happen if we didn't put them away? Actually, Matt, I didn't. Uh, and I'll just be honest. When, when Carolina went up 14-7, I felt really good. I, I just – that whole week, and this is why I was really bullish on the Gamecocks' chances because – We've sort of seen this movie before. Uh, the whole week I was just like, you know, what I thought for one t- one time this year, because I've been wrong a lot, but for one time this year, exactly what I thought would happen in the game happened. You know, I, th- I thought Carolina would get enough offense to win against a good Kentucky defense, and they did. And, and I, I just saw it in my mind, Kentucky getting in passing situations, and that guy getting you know pass rush and, and, it, and it wasn't just because of the quarterback uh, either, man. It was because of their offensive line. And I've said I said this all the you know all week last week. The Kentucky offensive line this year is nothing like the offensive lines they've had. I think give it two years they'll be back playing ball up front. Maybe next year because they got some good young talent. Uh, it's just you know that position takes a while to develop. Different guys develop in different ways. I mean, they had a five star guy right offensive tackle, but he's a true freshman. And right. so <laughs> Gilbert got the best of him. I mean, that uh and so that's how I felt. But I I the only time I kind of felt down <clears throat> was when they tied it at seven. You know, and then Carolina still was able to get down there and uh shoot the the play call to Stogner I thought was a great call. Uh, that was on Spencer Rattler, and I've said that before. He just missed it. But man, you can get Stogner one on one coverage like that down the field against a smaller safety. Uh, most times, uh, you know, with a good pass, he's going to jump up and get it. Uh, yeah. and Carolina will score. So I thought that was a bright spot. You know, I, I kind of talked to some Kentucky fans at halftime, and they were kind of down in the dumps and thought they were going to lose. And, you know, I, then once Juice Wells housed that play, uh, I think I I think at that point I was fine. You know, I think I was uh, I was fine at that point. I didn't you know, when they scored the garbage touchdown uh and cut it to 2414. Uh I kinda and then Carolina got stopped the next plus so they got the ball back. I was like, oh god. Hopefully <laughs> it's not like a uh a bust an assignment or something, and it, that went through my mind, but then I was like, nah, mm-hmm. it's like nah, there won't be. There won't be. So uh but Carolina has gone. I mean, do you remember the, the 2014 game up there? Gamecocks are chugging right along up 38-24 and then disaster struck and they lost. That was the beginning of the streak, you know, the yeah. thing right there. Uh Clint says if uh, Connor Wegman, the Texas AM third string quarterback, was ready, he would have already been playing, in my opinion. That's something to think about too, because you know, Jimbo wouldn't be afraid to do it as much no. as they've struggled on offense. And, you know, he 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 put Max Johnson in, Max gets hurt. You know, that kind of thing. Matt says he kept seeing the full moon get brighter, and it just felt like a w- weird game. Yeah, the moon was out. <laughs>
1: Jeff
2: Holler says, morning, gents. Go Cox and Semper Fi. And What do we morning. say?
1: There? Thank you for your service, sir.
2: Colin says, difference between Kentucky and AM. Kentucky has had one quarterback for three years and no backup. Uh, transfer from Penn State, Will Levis. A M goes three deep with their third quarterback, a five-star potential beast. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, you, you and look, I'm going to say this about the kid from Kentucky. He doesn't suck. That started against the Gamecocks. He's not ready. Yeah. But he has a pretty good arm. He's an accurate passer. He's a bigger kid. Um in-state guy for Kentucky. So so don't I wouldn't think that that guy would necessarily not pan out for them. Uh I've seen we've all seen bad quarterbacks, Phil. Yeah. And, yeah. And comparing him to the kid they started i think it was a transfer from troy in 2019 when they lost to the Game gamecocks in similar fashion mm. uh, comparing him uh to that kid he's much better than that kid i think it's just when you've never played and the first game is a game against an a legit sec team you know and just about anybody that was uh you know it's you're probably gonna struggle
1: Probably was it tough. was tough, yeah, especially the way the game started, too. I mean, you're in a whole 14 seconds into the game, it's,
2: yeah. The, the moment is large, <laughs> you start to press, you start yeah. to press. Uh, Ben chimes in says Pete Limbo, first half MVP coach, yeah, yeah, coach as long as probably. I mean, Pete and Pete Limbo's having a big year, man. <laughs> uh, Tim says Tanny Hill almost saved, saved Spooky's job, they call Sparky Wood Spooky Wood. We dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well i mean look carolina played that year as good as anybody in the country they were five and one they beat tennessee uh they had spurrier almost beat at the swamp lost 14 to 9 in that one uh, it was carolina's first year in the sec uh beat clemson in clemson snapped a losing streak to those guys they weren't very good that year either by the way um and uh Everybody was excited about 93. Gamecocks go down to Georgia in the opener and win on that famous Brandon Bennett over-the-top play. And then some things happened. There's some (laughs) close losses. Uh, Gamecocks got beat at home on a Thursday night by Kentucky with a backup quarterback in the game, running the triple option. Uh, I'll remember that because that was one of those rare Thursday night games. Gamecocks were up and lost. They lost a 17 to 6 game at home to Alabama in a big hyped game. Uh there were some losses that year that could have gone either way and, and in '93. And then it just added up to a four and seven record. Um, you know, even Clemson, Carolina was up 13 to 3 on those guys. Uh, and Clemson came back and won 16-13 in the last game for not only Sparky Woods, but also Ken Hatfield at Clemson in mm-hmm. 93. We had um who was it? Bob Kessling on uh, the uh, J.C. and Morgan podcast over the summer, Voice of the Tennessee Volunteers. He used to do the Jefferson Pilot games uh, and he got uh, he had that Clemson Carolina game 16-13. Yeah. I got in trouble that weekend, by the way. I was in high school and yeah. uh, we, were sp- we were going to the game and we didn't tell my friend's parents we were going and Oops. he got in trouble and I remember we had to go back to Spartanburg and I got back and caught the game on TV, but we, uh, I remember passing all the car flags and everybody going down 26, and I had to go back and watch it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hut says ZP6, Zach Pickens is playing like an animal this season. I agree. Yep. Uh, this is interesting from Saunders. Does anyone know what went down between South Carolina and Kentucky coaches after the game? Bits were called on a camera from a Kentucky video reporter. Video was, was posted on Big Spur. Yeah, uh, I saw it. Something, Byron Jerido was fired up about something. Um, I don't have any information as to what that was all about. Uh, I can try to find out. Um, But it looked like somebody had said something, and and then there was somebody on on Big Spur that said uh, their associate AD was trying to push uh, Carolina's players off the field, and Brian Gerardo was not having that. So it's kind of weird. Um, Quacey says, is anybody listening to Kentucky sports radio? I try. I I, I I got great respect for Matt and KSR as far as what they do with Kentucky. In fact, uh, you know, if, if I had my way, you know, ultimately I would like for the show, the big whatever we do to kind of be like that, you know, I, I have great respect professionally for them. I'm just not interested in Kentucky football and really not interested in Kentucky basketball either. Uh, like, <laughs> I, like if Carolina did not exist and, and I had to pull for another SEC team, Kentucky would probably be way down my list. Maybe some mm-hmm. fans, I'd probably be a Vanderbilt fan before a Kentucky fan. Um, not yes, that I don't yeah. like them. I'm just not – they're just not a program that, you know, other than this year in football because of the extracurricular comments, uh, they're not a really – and, and – Gamecock fans being frustrated by having to get beat by them. Um, mm-hmm. They just—they just they just are not on my radar. So, hadn't listened no. to them. I'm sure they're salty. Enjoy those well, tears. Enjoy those tears.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for no doubt, no doubt. You can tell definitely by Twitter though. They're—they're they're, uh, not happy.
2: <laughs> it's funny though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let them not be happy. Uh,
2: Jared says props to Jovan Gwynn for being recognized by the SEC. I don't know if I mentioned this. Yesterday or not, Phil, but, yeah, he SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, always – Joe Vaughn's been a pretty good – Joe Vaughn's better at run blocking than pass blocking, obviously, because he's got – he has got he does not have tremendously long arms. Uh, but when he's on, he's on. He gets after it. He gets after it. Really good player. Uh, tough guy, too. And uh, I think this is his last year, so now or never for a lot of these guys on the offensive right. line. They're playing really well right now. Mm -hmm. Craig says Lloyd is second in the SEC in touchdowns and averages six yards a carry, ranked seventh running back in the SEC. Great start for him. Yeah, and considering, Phil, you know, some of those ugly stat lines in the beginning of the year, you know, 22 yards, 23 yards. Yeah, he's got 169, 80, and 110, so Mm -hmm. 7.63 yards per carry uh, the last three games. Tim so it's says a
1: perfect example of why all this preseason hype and all these early season polls and stuff he can't really take into account because you know now over the last three games he's actually leveled his stats out where they looked like they were going to be atrocious for the entire year. But yeah, you
2: know, but it's a long season. I uh I tend to agree with you there. Um oh Tim says say no to spooky's uniforms. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't think he, I think I think the guy, the poster was Air, it's Air Chicken who's a good one of our better posters. I think he was just mistaken with the year. I think he was talking about the '88 uniforms. Uh, Gamecocks busted those out against Navy. That it was the last win for Joe Morrison at South Carolina. Ugly game, nineteen to eight. But uh, considering that's the first time they had played Navy since the the big loss in '84, most people were relieved. But that that year, Carolina primarily wore. You know, black jerseys, white pants, garnet helmets, um, and they busted out the all black with the you know the garnet helmets that game. Uh, but no, Spooky's uniforms. So those uniforms in eight, the uniforms in eighty nine and ninety nine were awful. Like Blue <laughs> holes' first year. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot, brother. Rough. Um. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rick says I asked prior to game one about a mid season prediction. Kudos for the four and two prediction. I think we go four and two again, again, to finish eight and four. Yeah, I think they could do better than that.
1: I mean, yeah, every game in front of us, JC, like you said, is winnable and losable.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But winnable, emphasis on Yeah, Like I said, that that Vandy game kind of frightens me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) uh, You know, I I do, I I agree. I think, uh, you know, eight and four, Go win a bowl game, go to nine and four. That's 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 what Muschamp was, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think if I'm not mistaken, if Shane gets to nine wins this year, he's the winningest coach in program history through the first uh, two years, like more wins. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about percentage because Joe Morrison was fifteen and eight. They didn't play as many games back then. Yeah, was you, it was
1: benefiting from the longer schedule.
2: Yeah, obviously, obviously get that Muschamp and Spurrier both one fifteen their first two years. Muschamp was fifteen and eleven. Spurrier's fifteen and ten. But 16 is the magic number. So if you get if you get to nine plus the seven last year, uh, Beamer is off to the best start wins wise. In the history of Carolina football. Shoot. All right, my man. All right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You wouldn't be able to tell it, by the way. It's been a roller coaster from the fans' perspective, though. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah.
2: Everybody's like, oh,
1: it's terrible. It's terrible. Quietly,
2: though, he's putting together the best record. (laughs) ever. Yeah. Well, you know, that that must-champ season, uh, the second season, that that was actually – you talked to people that were on that staff. They actually – Actually, so we're fired up about that year. You know, they kind of look back on it. They're like, man, 2017 was a really good year. We didn't talk about it a whole lot, but uh, they won nine. They, they beat teams they should have. They're, you know, the, the Kentucky loss in that season was ugly, but they, you know, kind of blew it at A&M. And uh, the other yeah, two losses were that. Yeah, Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, yeah were, were playoff teams, so two playoff teams. Um, Craig says that helmet last week reminded me of the Tanny Hill days. That thing was sweet. I kind of liked the helmet too, Phil. Didn't you? I did, like, right. but they're just the plain C. Mm. Yeah. Um, Saunders said white garnet. Garnet is one of my personal favorites, but that's just nostalgia for my student days. It's nostalgia for me from the spurrier era. You know, I guess yeah. when I was Lou Holtz was there then, um, and they could never get the shade of garnet right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or those years <laughs> daddy asks us how hot is jimbo's situation right now well it didn't help him that the, the play call to beat bama was not that good of a play call um it, the guy was covered it was kind of a one option route uh he attacked the short side of the field I, I don't know what he's thinking nah
1: who knows i mean you know he knows better than we do he's a genius so he
2: <laughs> yeah. can't talk about it. 86 million reasons why I don't think it's as hot as people think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that cools it off a little bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh,
2: Daddy O says, I grew up with a white circle background on the helmet. To me, that's who we are. can feel you there. Mm-hmm. Ben says, Texas State. Gosh, I'm yawning. Why? Texas State beat App State or Dicted. Dicted there. Yeah. I don't know, family-friendly show here. (laughs) Uh, Bama will need Bryce Young to beat Tennessee. I tend to agree unless unless they're able to just line up and go back to Alabama circa 2011 and run it all over them, which they could. Mm -hmm. I mean, let let, let me just be clear here. Alabama is not LSU. Alabama will be able to, uh, could be, could be able to do some things. Uh, to keep Tennessee's offense off the field. And certainly, I think Bama's better than LSU on defense. But, man, you play Tennessee and you start making mistakes. Bama turned it over four times against AM. That would be, uh, if Bryce Young does not play, if I'm Nick Saban, that's a big concern for me because you cannot turn it over against the Vols, uh, especially in the first half while they're just scoring and scoring and scoring.
1: Yeah, when they're rolling, you can't just keep give them free positions. But it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Bill O'Brien draws up this week, because you, know, you know at this point they know who their quarterback is. I'd be surprised if they didn't this Wednesday. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, what's the game plan? be, be a good <laughs> game to watch. I'm, I'm excited about that one.
2: Yeah. Uh, me, too. me too. Third, It's uh, like Josh Pate said, there's an entire generation of college football fans that are going to understand <laughs> now what the third Saturday in October is all about because it's been such a, you know, ridiculously lopsided series since 06. Oh, um, 06. 06. Yeah, Satan's Saban, never lost to them. He blew them out the first time they played in 07 mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa. And he's gotten to look back since. There's been two close games one when Lane Kiffin was there, and then uh, Champions of Life had them beat Tuscaloosa one day. Daddy O says, JC, I watched a game from Illinois Saturday night. College football doesn't have the same mm-hmm. zesto as it does down here. Hollering at the TV seems to be frowned upon. <laughs> well yeah you should have you should have mosied into a bar uh when the bears were playing the next day and uh you'll see that that same college football passion yeah <laughs> oh god i'm gonna throw a beef sandwich at the tv yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean and, and, and but that's illinois like elsewhere deio in the midwest like iowa like the big ten schools have big passionate fan bases Uh, University of Illinois has been bad for so long, and uh, and and Champaign is like two and a half hours from Chicago. It's basically kind of down in in what's called the the downstate. Uh, it's on the prairie, if you will. (laughs) There's nothing in Chicago, Northwestern, is that that's the closest? Yeah, Northwestern's in Evanston, which is uh. Uh, northern suburbs, basically. So it, oh. it's right there on the lake. Uh, and then Notre Dame is only like two hours uh, or an hour. And, sorry, hour and a half. Uh, you just go straight across 80 and take this back road. I can get to South Bend. <laughs> um, and and Chicago is full of Notre Dame fans. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is actually, Madison is actually closer drive-wise to where I live uh, than Champaign. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, your Wisconsin's, your Iowa's, your Michigan's, Michigan State's, uh, even Minnesota. And you guys see it uh, when you turn turn on the TV on New Year's Day and watch the bowl games, uh, those SEC Big Ten matchups. Most of the time there's as many Big Ten fans there as SEC. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, those guys, and they're huge schools, huge schools uh, with 60, 50, 60,000 students and tons of alums across the country they're all they're all big land grant schools right uh but you're right daddy O. I i mean i have I, I usually go if carolina has a noon game i'll go to my local watering hole tavern in the glen mm-hmm. shout out the tavern uh and uh watch it by myself or with two or three other people you know so the, it's not it's not packed there mm-hmm. um all right. So, uh, Daddy O's the last chat boxer there. And we're going to get back to that. It's time to take our first break, though. Don't forget, Jamie Bradford coming up, other side of the hour. And I uh, want to say, Doc, thanks for the, the mic thing. I'm doing something different today, consciously, consciously trying to hold my head a little bit more still. Uh, and I've wrapped, uh, I got my visor hanging on my mic stand and the cord on the visor so it doesn't hit the stand. I think that's what has been uh, happening. Uh-huh. So anyway, but I always try to fix that because, quite frankly, I don't hear it through my headphones because uh, I can't hear myself through my headphones, which is weird. Uh, but I, uh, it's embarrassing, you know, when I go back and listen. So I'm, I'm trying to fix it as best I can. Thanks, Doc. Anyway, we'll be back after these messages inside the Gamecocks. The show on a hump day rolls
0: on. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, You can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm insurance today, and guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle Anything you need in the tri state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843 851 2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Sirfoss is your go to person. Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy 864 414 5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbkane.com. C B C A I N E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners. Uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864 414 5271, Sydney Sear Foss of Caldwell, Baker, Kane.
0: Gamecocks.
3: How can I help you?
2: Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing,
0: What's up? This is Jaheem Bell with the Gamecocks, and you are now listening to Inside the Gamecocks
1: Show with JC and Phil. Thank you, Jaheem, and welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off and free worldwide shipping with manscaped.com. And the first hour of the show is presented to you by Cindy Searfoss at Banker King Realty for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271.
2: Thank you, Phil. The poll question, Marshawn's kind of running away with it. 209 votes (laughs) at the quarter, 92.3% say yes. He is the MVP. Uh, BigSpur.com, a little bit less bullish on Marshawn, 90 to 10 uh, right there. Also, put it on... um, Oh, gosh, I put it on YouTube. YouTube has a section for polls. I don't always remember uh, to do that, but um, I did put it up today, uh, and I do think that uh, Marshawn is at like a 98% there. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Marshawn. Number one it, it is doing very, very well. Um, okay. Weezy says, Tennessee Air yeah, is a former offensive coordinator. They have an elite offense. USC hires a former special teams coordinator. They have elite special teams. That's why UT has been able to turn their offense around so quickly. Uh, and, and I think this, Kweezy, uh, we were talking, by the way, there's a new JC and Morgan podcast, um, you know, uh, that just went out uh, this morning. And we were talking about Tennessee. And, and I think, you know, look, I've never been a Josh Heupel guy, probably because – whenever they faced a good defense at Missouri, they'd get beat. Uh, and their offense sort of left them out high and dry uh, a lot of times. Um, they would go, and when they played in 2017, for example, you know, Florida had already quit. Tennessee had already quit. Uh, they hung half a hundred on those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my, my feeling was, and, and, you know, Tennessee kind of played this way last year, uh, the Georgias of the world and the Alabamas of the world were able to keep them from scoring a bunch, uh, and, and then they didn't have the defense to kind of keep up. Um that said, I do want to say that you know so far I've been wrong about Heupel. He's done a good job uh there. Uh and and I think the genius of what they did, because in their situation, guys, uh it was much worse than South Carolina's. Uh South Carolina replaced uh, the winningest coach in program history with Will Muschamp. Uh, Muschamp did some great things first two years. Looked like it was heading the right direction. The bottom fell out, so they made a change. Tennessee was gone – I mean, they've gone from Kiffin to Dooley to Champions of Life to Jeremy Pruitt uh, and and just, just all this transition and then an NCAA investigation and uh, kids hitting the portal. They lost like 40 guys last year. Um between the portal and everything else. Uh, and, and so if you're the AD and, and they interviewed Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott didn't take it. Um, and, and you're sitting there going, well, you know, Heupel at least runs a, a tremendously exciting, fast-paced offense. You know, we may not win, but it's going to be a better brand of football than the daggum uh rock-throwing contest that that Pruitt had or whatever Butch Champions of Life was trying to do uh, or whatever Dooley was trying to do or, uh, you know, or whatever. And and so uh, I think that was a smart move, you know, because that that type of offense is is very exciting. It could be an equalizer. Um, And then they, you know, won the lottery when they got Hooker. And the the amazing thing about Hooker to me, Phil, is he did not – Number one, Virginia Tech said, okay, go. And I was yeah, like, I've... every time I've seen this kid in a Virginia Tech game, he's played his butt off and, and played well. Um, you know, who's uh, that? Quinte was up there at that time. Lente. Yeah, supposed to be a quarterback crew, yeah. right? And right. he ran him off and he got fired. And then uh, Joe Milton was the starter at Tennessee at the end of last year. So, uh, you know, that's the deal there. Uh, Tim says let's call them what they are Kentucky. Chandler <laughs> says question do you think this team is any different because of a lackluster win against a depleted overrated Kentucky team? Um, no I, I, I don't I mean well I, I don't I just don't agree with your assessment. I, I think I think literally Chandler you know and, and this is one thing that bothers me about certain fans. <laughs> uh, you could literally say that about every game if you wanted to, oh, this team was overrated. This team was underrated. This this doesn't matter because of this. This doesn't matter because Charlotte's terrible, you know. Um, and look, fans can have their opinions, you know, about all that. Uh, but, you know, and, and I did not think Carolina would lose that game going into it, especially after the news about Levis. Um, however, it, it, you know, I, I think what you're missing and what, you know, hot takes like this miss uh, and, and it's probably the case that, uh, you know, either you'd never played the game or you didn't. It's been a long time since you have, and you don't remember. Uh, it doesn't matter to the players, they won.
1: Yeah, winning is huge.
2: Yeah, winning, winning is huge. And also, uh, you know, I think most of us that are intelligent here, um, you know, understand that uh, any win over Kentucky right now <laughs> is a big one. Right, Mm -hmm. Um, and they were ranked 13th, and they're still ranked this week. You know, I don't agree with them being ranked. I'm, I'm, I agree with you that they were uh, a bit depleted. They were depleted, missing a lot of key players. But uh, you know, it's not like the game went right down to the wire either. Okay, Uh, and and so I don't know where the hell you're getting off calling it a lackluster win. Uh, It was a lackluster first half, (laughs) but in the second half, Carolina did exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, up seventeen on the road, uh, and they got a garbage touchdown. So I don't, I, I, I don't agree with your assessment there. Um, and I think that you know this type of hot takery, uh can honestly take place uh, for just about ninety percent of the games on the roster in a given year. Uh, and and I understand some of the folks out there. They you know if you're you know got spoiled and we're like oh if you're not beating Alabama you know it doesn't matter well. Um, you know, why don't you take a page out of the playbook from the upstate? They never sit around and bitch about wins and they play a terrible schedule just about every year. I mean, you know, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, they may not yeah. sell the stadium out for Furman, but they're
2: all happy they won. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and, and you know, anyway. Um, Sean says when football season is over, there'll still be a football podcast with recruiting news or y'all add in baseball and basketball. We'll do a lot of basketball, a lot of baseball. Yeah, I got some things in the works on that. And yeah, we're going to cover all the sports and we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, but yeah, we'll have recruiting. We'll have the, this is not just a football season thing. This is a live, live show. Mm-hmm. Um, blah, blah, blah. Marion says that I read where Lloyd leads the sec in nine touchdowns. Uh, with yeah. nine, I think he's got two receiving or one. I thought it was eight. Maybe. Oh, on,
1: I got it pulled up right here. Let's see. I think. No, I just got team stats pulled up. But, no, I think he does lead the – I think he leads the league in total offensive touchdowns. Yeah. I think it is nine.
2: Gotcha. Um, Jason says there are always injury in football. South Carolina's defense was just as depleted as Kentucky, if not more. Connect. Lady Bree says Chandler is a Clemson fan. Let's punt him. Yeah. (laughs) To to the, 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 you You can't get on the Nana's chat box. You can't just waltz into the Nana's chat box with the orange fog hot taker. Yeah, nobody yeah, that gives a flying be flip what any of you people in the Upstate think about the South Carolina team at all. Yeah. Just yeah. like you don't give a flying flip what any Gamecocks think about your team, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll be the
1: first one to say it's not a rivalry anymore, and then have our have us right in the forefront of your brain. <laughs>
2: <I just laughs> said, State, do you have any idea why Jacob Moore left in the first quarter and then came back in the third? Both he and Nichols played well, so I'm confused. I think, uh, at my understanding is Hush, that that was by design, it was kind of like a JV football rotation. There, like, all right, you got the you got these two quarters and you got those two quarters, and it, and it, it worked. You know, I thought Ja'Kai and Nichols both played relatively well, mm-hmm. um, so anyway um all sports equals good for doc yeah we wouldn't have it any other way man Yeah, uh, we, we got because we're, there's a lot of basketball stuff i mean i love basketball i love talking about it i'm probably not as good as breaking it down uh and then i'm a big baseball guy you know i was telling john whittle the other day i was like man uh i really hope the baseball program sort of turns it around uh this year because i'm tired of like being done with kingcock sports in april
1: <laughs> oh yeah right
2: yeah <laughs> you know it's it's kind of hard to start talking football the end of April and, and rocking and rolling there bullish Nazimi rebel says when it's South Carolina and we have five to seven players out or playing four different quarterbacks it's oh South Carolina's making excuses they just sucked. but some of the other SEC teams lose one player and that's why they lost stop it please Craig says nobody puts Chandler in a corner that would be a great Todd Ellis call Nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) Lady Reese says he trolls all of our chat rooms. (laughs) What a loser. Well, welcome Uh, in, Chandler. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. You're going to have to do Uh, better
1: than that to get any respect, though, sir.
2: (laughs) No orange allowed on the Nana's porch. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Clemson's the first, they're the first people to snap if, if Carolina comments on their household. Yeah, that's why I don't, you know, when I kind of covered national recruiting and stuff, I never said anything negative about Clemson. Uh, and I, I still don't to this day. I just never say, I, I, I just won't mention them because if I say, if I have criticism of them, what's it, it's not going to matter. You know, no. I mean, it's not going to matter at all. So. You know that that's kind of why I keep my mouth shut when it comes to them, or or I'll say something complimentary, right? And I think it drives them crazy too. You know, they're just kind of waiting, you know, yeah, on yeah. me to say something. Yeah. I still the one,
1: expectation is you're going to talk junk. I did <laughs> say like,
2: oh. I did I did say one thing. I kind of snapped one day in Columbia uh, when I was on the air about Clemson because uh, I kind of got sick of the whole, uh, you know. Come to, come to Clemson because this is where the Christians go, uh, and, 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 you know, you need to come play for Jesus up here and all that, and insinuating that Steve Spur. Yeah, know, because I, I kind of felt like it was questioning the faith of, you know, some of the Gamecock coaches because back then South Carolina and Clemson went head-to-head in recruiting a whole lot more than they do now. And I think I compared Clemson to Jonestown. i caught some heat for that one i caught
3: some
2: i caught some heat heat for that one for sure um so yeah that's the deal there all right i help consulting mailbag soda city says jc phil loves seeing Marshawn really come on the last few weeks still needs to improve vision uh on their on those inside zones they didn't run a lot of insides. They ran uh, a, a lot, lot of and Yeah, duo.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but uh, I, I think I think there's a lot of plays. You know, Marshawn breaks one more tackle. He probably goes for like 150 yards. Uh, there's a handful of plays where he's this close to breaking it. Um, but but you're right. I, I think I think there's sometimes he just doesn't have any room. Um, but what I like about him right now, Phil, is he's rarely missing the hole. Uh, look at the 45-yard run. There's a guy crashed in. Could have had him. He breaks that tackle. There's a slight pause. He sees the hole and shoots through it. I think I think his vision uh, is getting better and better and better as he gets more comfortable. He never had – I mean, most, most good running backs have good vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's starting to feel it and see it a little more. But, yeah, uh, I think that uh, that's the deal there. Uh, he says, do people realize how good Juice Wells is? Guy is elite, great route runner, great after the catch, great hands. Get him the ball. He should never leave the field unless he needs a breather. Am I wrong? No. No. Uh, I, I almost, you know, I've been on the Jaheim Bell needs the ball more uh, bandwagon. I, I'm the, the Juice Wells needs it more bandwagon uh, is probably a bigger bandwagon for me right now than, than Gene. Yeah. Just to be honest. And you know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. There's no excuse not to get this guy the ball a bunch. Uh, and, you know, uh, like I, I've always said, take what Satterfield says in press conferences with, a, you know, with whatever. But he, he did mention, we don't have a single play drawn up for Juice Wells in our playbook. Well, why the hell not?
0: <laughs> you
2: know, I mean, do you haven't drawn up for some other guys, because, I mean, Juice probably could use a play or two here, right, Phil?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that juice is worth the squeeze, right? <laughs>
2: hey, imagine, a, you know, a lot of, imagine if Steve Spurrier had, had a guy like Juice Wells. Oh man, Juice was just gonna throw it out there to Juice and let him go make a play. Yeah, draw it
1: up because he would specifically draw him up, you know, to make him open. That's what it, you know, without having to run reverses and hit him on the, you know, perimeter. That.
2: Oh, I kind of wonder too. What if Brian? What if Brian McClendon were? dialing them up for the, this group. I mean, you know, but I, I don't want to get too negative on the, on the the OC or the offense right now, but yeah, you're right. Uh, that's a very good email, Soda City. Thank you so much. Tristan says, and this is along the same notes, help Consulting Mailbag, by the way, and it's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com to get in. Tristan goes, Dante Reno, and that's, uh, for those that don't know, Reno is the 2024 quarterback commit for the Gamecocks. Uh, Reno says in an interview that Spencer Rattler told him the offense has been very hard to learn. No surprises here. Just confirmation, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> There's no reason why you need to run a complex offense uh, in college football. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, everything from the time you get to practice uh, to the varying levels of football, knowledge that different quarterbacks have when they come into the program to the fact that you turn players over every two years and Keith even made a point the other day about uh, now you throw the transfer portal in there yeah you're getting them in year after year now (laughs) yeah and and quarterbacks move more than anybody through the portal and so something's got to give there you know I I think and I, I I think that you know Jordan Rodgers made a good point when he said the the play calls are like eight words long there's no need for that i mean some of your best college offenses man they have <laughs> they have poster board with emojis on it on the sidelines like I, I saw Rick James on one of them one time you know i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i mean shoot not man i just i don't know but very good point there we'll obviously talk about that uh soon mm-hmm. movie uh, well, yeah, Chandler says, I'm not trolling. I can't follow other programs' chats and have good debates. Well, yeah. you made a point. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's a pretty dumb point, you know, to me. That's, uh, it, it, you know, it's just, uh, crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Craig says, I asked Dante that question on that podcast last night, asked what they were telling him about the dif- difficulties of the offense. Yeah. Uh Lance says, What up, killers? How we doing? What up, Lance?
1: Oh, yeah, what's up?
2: You know, just actually curious, why do you think the Game offense has not panned out so far? Rattler and offense looks mediocre to me, coaching your players. Uh system. yeah it, the system looks too hard, man. It just uh, yeah. uh I'll remind you, Chandler, of a of a mad scientist. You, you guys remember calling him the mad scientist and saying he's the next warm child when you got him, Rob Spence. You remember that, Chandler? I'm sure you remember that pretty well. Same kind of situation. Only, you know, Spence actually had an offense at Toledo that did something. But um, same thing. Just too complex. Uh, That's all there is to it. And you also remember, Chandler, that when Dabo, his first move was to fire Rob Spence and promote 28-year-old Billy Napier, uh, that offense got a whole lot better that year with Davis and Spiller and those guys. But that's my take on it. I, I just think there's just too much evidence that it's too complicated out there for guys just like looking like they don't want what to do to confusion. I mean, and it was one thing last year when you're rotating quarterbacks and everybody's kind of new in the system. Uh, it's quite another thing when you got Spencer Rattler out there.
1: Yeah. And he's it been here since, you know, spring
2: an <laughs> older player, lots of experience and, you know, all that good stuff. So well, that's the deal. Right there. Jamie Bradford coming up, second hour. Do you want to remind everybody about Carolina Rise? We're doing something kind of cool. Um, uh, we've got four traditions club 50-yard uh, line uh, lodge or loge level seats, right? Uh, the university gave them to us, and we're auctioning them off. So, uh, the bidding started, and, and, and face value on these things is not it's not, they're not inexpensive, but we're trying to raise a little money here for NIL stuff. So, uh, the bidding started at 750. I got a bid in for 850. There are four of them. Uh, you get special concessions. I think you get somebody to bring you drinks. Uh, it's the traditions, traditions club right there. Uh, so if you want to make a bid, uh, email us inside the gamecocks at gmail.com or Carolina Rise LLC at gmail.com. Uh, and like I said, it started at 7:50. It's up to 8:50. Uh, Texas A&M game, 50-yard line, traditions, club seats, lodge seating, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, uh, one of our members of Carolina Rise bought. We had South Carolina State lodge seats too, and um, you know, it. Uh, he bought them, and he went and showed me some pictures, and had a great time. So that's uh, that's the deal right there. All right, we're gonna hit a break on the other side. Jamie Bradford, JB from JB and Coldwater will come in uh, for his weekly appearance here on the show. We're looking forward to it. As always, we'll be back for these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Sirfoss is your go-to person. Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy 864 414 5271 or email CCERfoss, csearfoss at cbkane.com. C B C A I N E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners. Uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864 414 5271, Sydney Sear Foss of Caldwell, Baker King.
0: Gamecocks.
2: Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
2: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money, I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 1001 is Matt's contact number.
1: Yeah man, I sure do that or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
2: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Game Cox, the show.
3: These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you?
2: Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Guy pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana's Porch.com. Go there, food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah.
1: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas.
2: This is Braylon, this is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox.
0: And till bye.
1: Welcome back everybody. Inside the Gamecocks is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code BigSpur at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email at aburgesson, B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at rebacks.net for all of your commercial real estate needs. And we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Jamie Bradford. Jamie, how are you doing today?
3: Well, I am just happy to see that JC it looks like safely made it out of Kentucky. That's right. <laughs> Man, I feel like I had not talked to
2: you in like a year.
3: <laughs> I, th- I thought about it this morning. I was actually going to call you on the way to my office, and then yeah. I said, no, I'll talk to him plenty today at noon. Uh, that's awesome I yeah I made it. I made it. I
2: had a great time by the way it was great to, even even, it, even
3: if the game had not
2: gone well I, I would have still had a great time so. Well the last time I saw you was at Kentucky last year yeah last time it was a home game I wore the same shirt
3: to this game that I
2: wore last year which shows you how much I care about superstitions but uh wore the same shirt came away with the W this time so that was good
3: well it all worked out whatever you did. Do it again in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to pick another opponent to go to the game uh, yeah. next year. I'm gonna no,
3: I, I think uh, in two weeks, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, you just need to go back to Lexington and watch Carolina play from there. Go yeah. sit in the ballpark, <laughs> everything. <laughs> Don't change a damn thing.
2: Do the same thing. Sit over yeah. there. Like this crazy guy with the Gamecock stuff on. Who, who are they playing? Uh Well, the, uh, gosh, they're on the road. Uh, they're playing Mississippi State this weekend. I think it would be hilarious if – Somebody just sat there and said, no, Gamecocks won when I was sitting here last week, so I'm watching it on my phone and listening to the cowbells.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take your cowbell and uh, you go, go watch Carolina play while you're watching Kentucky play. It. Uh,
2: all right. Late. Jamie, uh, obviously beating Kentucky, given the recent history, is a big deal. Uh, given the comments by Coach Stoops over the summer, it's a big deal. Uh big win for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, and and I think, yeah, you know, on the road like that against a team that was ranked, I know they were depleted. Um, I, I just think that that's just a nice win for this program.
3: Yeah, it's outstanding. It's outstanding. I, you know, the um, there's there's I think two conversations to be had about this. One is is it's about time you know it it felt good uh like you mentioned it's kentucky either way that you want to slice it it doesn't matter it's still a top 15 win on the road in the southeastern conference and and that's what that's what matters people can put whatever asterisk they want to next to it the fact that uh, will levis didn't play I, i don't care i mean south carolina last year played four four quarterbacks one of them didn't play till the last game of the season, and uh, one of them was a grad assistant until three weeks before they kicked off. All right So and nobody felt bad for Saran when they were beating them last year. So I mean, I sure as hell ain't gonna feel bad for Kentucky or anybody else uh, if, uh, if a break kind of falls in, in the gamecock's favor. The, the other side of the coin is, you know, we have seen around here for the last few years, there have been big wins. And then, you know, they just couldn't do much with them after that. I mean, gosh, you go back to 2019 and you you somehow win in Athens. And then I think that might've been the last win of the year or or close to it. You know, they couldn't do anything with it. Um, You know, in, and then in 2020, you know, they beat Auburn and what that get them to two and two or something like that, or maybe that was somewhere in there and they couldn't do anything with it. Um, So, you know, what can they do with this victory? Well, it fell at a great time because now you've got an off week and give credit to coach Beamer and coach Satterfield from an offensive standpoint. They've been pretty good when they have extra time to prepare for an opponent. I mean, they had extra time for Kentucky. Look at that. They had extra time for Florida last year. Look at that. They had extra time for North Carolina. Look at that. You know, and they, they've been pretty good when they've got extra time to prepare. Now AM has extra time to prepare this week as well, but just focus in on South Carolina they came at a good time, and hopefully they'll be able to kind of double down on that thing and get them one win shy of bowl eligibility when the Aggies come to town in a couple of weeks. And that's another, hey, man, we got to get this monkey off our back type win. But, you know, I, I agree with Shane when he says this. He's been saying it since he's been here, and it and it does matter. His message isn't necessarily to the fans. His message is to his football team, and it's a controlled message. We're going to celebrate wins around here. And that's okay because there was, a, you know, there's a couple years they didn't have a lot of wins around here, and uh, so they're going to celebrate wins, and and I'm uh, I'm appreciative of that, and I think the football team is as well, and uh, hopefully they can keep moving forward with it. Talk with Jamie Bradford, you know, I, I thought,
2: you know, looking at this Kentucky game, the, the offense, of course, came out sputtered. Uh, really inexcusable not to get points after the block punt. That demoralizes your entire team in a lot of instances. Uh, But second half, you know, and and I said this, I thought not only was it better from a play-calling standpoint, the the play-calling kind of made a difference. You know, that big, uh, the long pass to Jalen Brooks on the clear-out route, I thought was a beautiful call. Uh, Even at the end of the first half, I, I know he threw a pick, Uh, on the long pass to Stogner. But uh, you got Austin Stogner one-on-one coverage streaking down the field. I think that's what you want from a play-calling standpoint. Um, It was just a bad pass by Spencer Rattler. So, you know, there were some signs of life, uh, I I think, uh, with the offense. Obviously, Lloyd continues to run well. Um, And I thought in the second half, you know, at halftime, I I, I still believe Carolina would win because I just – I didn't have any faith in Kentucky being able to, to put together a drive. I mean, they put the one drive together, and that was it. Uh, but on the second half, Carolina went out and just took care of business, you know, especially on offense. I think, you know, the long pass or catch and run by Juice Wells got everybody going, and uh, and then they ended up, uh, you know, putting 17 on the board and, and salting it away, uh, save a garbage touchdown at the end by the Wildcats.
3: Well, you know, I mentioned the last couple of games before this was Charlotte and South Carolina State. I I, I thought what was most important was kind of try to figure out your identity, but then also, you know, get these guys a little bit better of a feel for the game. Get them in there. Get them roughed up. You know, let Marshawn Lloyd run through some tackles. Let guys throw blocks against guys that they're not as good against or that aren't as good against them uh, in competition, basically, Uh, and, and allow them to kind of feel themselves out and feel their way around the game. You know, build build and grow some confidence individually and then collectively on on all sides of the football. You know, it was eight quarters where they could kind of go out if they made a mistake. It, it you didn't feel like it was really going to hurt them because it's Charlotte and Sacramento State. You knew they're going to have other opportunities to be able to capitalize um, and, and just kind of continue to work on themselves from a football standpoint. And let's see if that can pay off afterwards. And and I felt like what happened on Saturday night. Look, I I don't play calling and scheme is just going to be what it's going to be. Okay. So there's one thing that you're really going to have to focus on and, uh, which just started in the, in the Kentucky game and then moving forward and that's execution. Like if some, a lot of these plays that coach Satterfield has called, although I don't, I, I you know, I don't like the offense I and mean, I don't like the system. I, uh, but, and I'm not an offensive coordinator or an expert. I just don't like it for multiple reasons with the limited knowledge that I have, but like a lot of it and most of it really, guys, is just going to come down to execution. I mean, you look at the the Jalen Brooks reverse, right? Um, you look at the Juice Wells touchdown, both of them were just well-blocked mm-hmm. and, you know, earlier in the season, like that wasn't really happening. And we, what we have seen is if one guy makes a mistake or he misses a guy or, any, or or whatever it is, kind of finesse blocks a dude without actually getting in there and throwing one up and really creating some type of lane, then the whole dang thing blows up. Everybody literally has a significant role in this type of, type of offense, right? So uh, I thought from an execution standpoint, particularly in the second half, they were really good. Um, you know, if you look at the finer details of what happens each time the ball is snapped, for the most part, South Carolina was pretty good. And then you also have to give credit to the players, um, which you know personally, that's kind of what I've tried to do throughout the season. Let's focus on the players here, because I know just a couple of weeks ago, maybe before uh, Marshawn had the big game against South Carolina State, you know, there were some people out there that I totally disagree with. You know, I just I just don't know about Marshawn Lloyd. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, whatever. Um, You know, give me 100 of him. I'll take 100 of that guy. You know, and now what you've seen with Marshawn, he kind of is a guy who felt his way around through eight quarters against inferior competition, and you saw it Saturday night. Kentucky's defense is pretty good, guys. I think we're all aware of that. They're pretty good. And Marshawn Lloyd made them look really bad at times. I mean, he he is that good, and he has kind of figured out, once again, who he is, which is – a damn good football player. He is really good. And um, and so I think from an execution standpoint, it was their best game of the year, or I'll say their best half of the year, uh, the second half on Saturday night. Um, uh, really not – I don't know how much this means to any of the players because I don't know any of them, I don't think. But um, I'm really proud of them. Uh, they, they played their asses off. They did. And the defensive line and the offensive line – you know, I know that Kentucky's offensive line isn't very good. Well, uh, are they better than Georgia State's? Mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think they are. And our defensive line made them look pitiful. Okay, and some of that's on the quarterback too because he was a true freshman. I get it. But they went out there. You could tell. Y- y'all, we all saw the light switch, right, in the second half. Somebody flipped that switch and they just got hungry. And it was like, hey, let's just go out and end this thing. You could, you could feel it through the television screen. And that's yep. exactly what they did, and the offensive line did their part too. Proud of the players, uh, they did a really good job. It's a huge win.
2: Kentucky, the number even after the game against Carolina, twentieth uh, ranked team in the country in total defense. Giving up what three hundred and seven yards a game, game I said what three sixty six in that one, so they uh, yeah. beat the average uh, against the UK defense. And probably Jamie could have scored more points. I mean, I I, I thought. You know, I mentioned the Stogner thing. Um, Should have. Oh, I, I, I think they had a couple of drives where they crossed midfield, blocked down. Uh, obviously, you got to put points on the board when you block the punt. I mean, you know, but that was that was first half. Second half, Carolina did what they needed to do uh, to take care of it. Marshawn Lloyd had a big uh, a big part of that. You know, if I had a criticism, and, and I do, I, it's it's not without criticism, but uh, I, I think. You know, just, just the first half of the year, Juice Wells needs the ball more. Um, I think Jaheim Bell obviously does, and we've talked that to death all year. But, man, oh, man, you, you see what Juice can do if he just gets a little space. Uh, and and I think also you mentioned perimeter blocking. Uh, that touchdown play was very well blocked. Dylan Wanham was downfield taking care of business on that one. yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about some of the games they've played where they've tried to attack the perimeter, not gotten the blocking. Yeah. You know, I think, I think juice could have gotten loose uh, to, to coin a phrase there uh, many more times. I just, I'd like to see him go downfield to him like they did in the Arkansas game. I just think the guy's a weapon. I think he's special. Uh, I think his coaches at James Madison, which by the way, James Madison's uh, undefeated and played really Ranked. well. Right. 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 First year at FBS. Uh, I think his coaches were right. He, he's he got as much talent as anybody. Uh, it just doesn't seem like, you know, uh, and I don't know, you know, maybe maybe offensive design. I mean, it seems like they go horizontal to him a lot. They don't really go down the field to him a lot. I'd like to see that uh, change here in the second half of the year.
3: Yeah, and I don't know how much it's going to change. I mean, I just I – mean- yeah. Uh, you know, it, again, that's kind of what I was at after. Just a little bit ago. look the the scheme. Jay, we all we all know. There's talk about it all the time. The, the system, the scheme. Damn microphone. Um, I don't know what's going on here. It 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 is what it is. Like it is what it is. The scheme is what it is. The the play caller, the play calling is what it is. And, and by the way, you know, I, I I don't I don't love it, but you know. I will give credit. We all should give credit. Like, if you're going to criticize somebody, I feel like it's only fair to give credit Mm -hmm. when credit is due. And, you know, Coach Satterfield does deserve some credit. Like, you know, and and, and this is going to sound odd, but, you know, he's continued to try to perfect the things that he wants this offense to be. I don't like what he wants the offense to be, but it doesn't matter because I'm not the play card and I'm not getting paid all that money to do it. Like, they have continued to work hard instead of just tearing the whole damn thing apart And trying to do something different so i'll give them some credit for that and we saw that saturday night like especially in the second half like that stuff worked um you know i think a lot of what we hope to see we're just probably not going to see a bunch of it we might here and there now that they've got an off week they might be able to sprinkle some of it in and you know they got to get some jordan rogers hit the nail on the head the other night you know you got to be able to throw the ball in the middle of the field you got to have some plays that develop quicker you know spencer rattler uh, credit to the offensive line at times for giving him four or five seconds six seconds on a couple of plays to throw the football but my God if you can't get anybody open in six seconds I mean yeah you gotta you gotta figure out something else mm-hmm. credit the Kentucky defense as well, but we're also fairly predictable in some of that stuff so um uh, as far as juice goes, I mean you know this has been reiterated reiterated over and over. I watched the first series of, of the season and i <laughs> I turned to my cousin and and I said, hey man, that's the best wide receiver on the team. I mean, you can just see it. I mean, he is that good. Jaheen Bell needs to play more. Shane said it last week. They know it, and I'm sure they're focused on it because you can't – I love the Campbell and the Adkins additions to the offense. They have made a difference. No yes. question. There is no doubt about it, guys. They're good. They know what their role is out there, and they go out and they execute it. Mad props to them. Big-time team players. Freaking Nate Atkins ran to the damn Kentucky sideline the other night. And pulled his quarterback out of there when he was getting a bunch of mouth from those losers from the bluegrass, and uh, and and he walked right into it and said, "Now you're, you're not going to touch my quarterback. That's my quarterback." So I give those guys a lot of credit. Uh, with that said, it doesn't sh- it shouldn't be at the expense of one of the best players you have in, in Jaheim Bell. So we got to figure that out too. Um, and then you know I know we're going to get to defense and all that stuff, man. But golly, if defense and special teams can continue to kind of travel the way it does, that's what set it up. That's what got them off to a good start the other night. It wasn't a seventy-five yard, fifteen-play drive. That's not what it was. It was, it was a, a, a hell of a play by David Spalding. Even with the block punt and without the points, they still turned the field. They still, Kentucky was still pinned pin back in their own territory, without them having the chance to to punt it down into South Carolina's side. So, you know, you, you had momentum early on, and that's what made you feel like, oh, you know, maybe tonight's our night
2: absolutely you know
3: I, I uh
2: that first play it was so loud in the carolina section i got dizzy uh that play by spalding with the fumble <laughs> as it happened right in front of the carolina section and people were fired up about it and uh Taki anyway uh to me jamie's playing yeah. really really well i i know they need to get boogie huntley back because boogie huntley's really good too um but uh, Hemingway over Webb seems to be a good call by Jimmy Lindsay.
3: Yeah, he, he's playing fast, which means he he gets it. And I think the lights come on, right? And that's generally when guys start playing fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's, a, he's an interesting character. Because, you know, when he came in, it was almost like, well, this guy might be a defensive end. And I think the plan was to move him inside, but he can play some end. And now he's just playing really fast, and he's playing really confident. MJ Webb's is probably going to be more of kind of a goal-line guy, right? A fourth-down guy. That's kind of, I think, the role that he's falling into there. Good player. Uh, like watching him play. He's been around for 20 years. So you, you support guys who yeah. have been, been in a uniform that long, no doubt. Social uh, security uh, check there. Yeah. Right. yeah. I About mean, I just – <laughs> I, I find it really interesting that um, we've seen – some really cool development on the on the defensive side of the ball uh you mentioned Tonka I just mentioned David Spaulding a minute ago he's a guy who kind of sneaks up on you like you, you you don't recognize him on the field really until he makes a play which is becoming when he's out there it's fairly often that he's kind of in the thick of it you know I know he was banged up for a little while and and he's had his share of issues to deal with since he's been in Columbia came from Georgia Southern right guys you know, so wasn't a huge name on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he's developed nicely. You look at the young guys and how they've developed. Uh I I just thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly love watching Sherrod Green have a big game. Uh kid that it, it you just can't not pull for Sherrod Green with everything he's been through from an injury standpoint. Um they, they they're developing players. They're developing players. And they're guys that before the preseason I mean, how many of you, everybody that's in this chat or wherever, how, raise your hand if you were like before the season? Oh, I think I think by the fifth, or sixth game of the year, we're going to be talking about how great Tony Hemingway and David Spaulding are. Probably none of you. I mean, so I, oh, I know I wasn't Wyatt, I wasn't Wyatt, camp. Wyatt Campbell. That, that's why Campbell. Yeah. He, he was off the team
2: for a while, man. You know, okay. he, right? Yeah, he came back and played some tight end and uh,
3: yep. uh, blocking well, blocking well. Yeah, Nate Nate Atkins. I mean. There, Guys are finding roles, and they're, they're proud of their roles. And that that goes one place, Shane Beamer. I mean, he's, he has got his staff, uh, you know, making sure that these guys understand why and where they're valued. Uh, the, again, the flip side of that is is Jaheim Bell knows that he's valued. He also knows he needs to play more. Uh, Juice Wells knows that he's valued. He also knows that he needs to get the ball more and things like that. But, um, you know, hopefully it's coming together. Jeff Fowler has something
2: interesting here, Phil. This is uh mm-hmm. I didn't know this was a thing. I, I, if anybody ever says it on my message board, I mean I'd probably light them up, but uh people are sour that muschamp kids are bawling out.
3: Mm, I like muschamp but... recruits. I mean, I, t- I t- the
1: reason, you know. I mean, they were good, highly ranked recruits when he got them. That recruiting wasn't muschamp's issue. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't surprise anybody that these guys are performing.
3: Yeah. Right, look, you know, if there's somebody out there that, is, that doesn't pull for a kid because he was recruited by a pre, pre, previous staff, you you need to find someone else to pull for. Uh, we don't need any of that crap around here. I mean, that's, that's insane. So, I mean, these kids – You think about – think everybody just, you know, stop for a second. Think about what these kids have been through, man. Not all of them. But think about what these kids have been through, guys. Think about this for a second. Like, especially a large majority of these upperclassmen who've been around for a little while, who 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 watched it start deteriorating at the end of 2018 and then fall apart in 2019. Forget about the Georgia one. Who cares? They won four damn games that season or three or whatever it was. Uh And then you win two in a 10-win season through COVID, which, by the way, a lot of these kids, if you go back to the COVID season, were in and out with the virus, trying to still play football, trying to still go to class. And they were playing for a a terrible team um, from a record standpoint. And then, you know, you make a change, you bring in a new coach, so you've got... Multiple coordinators, multiple head coaches, a virus going around, terrible records. Everybody in the world is beating up on you with how bad you are. Fans aren't going to games. And now all of a sudden they're having success and we can't, there's somebody out there that can't be happy for, the, for those young men who, who, by the way, stuck it out when everybody else bails on coaching changes. Oh, I'm transferring. And we got damn kids left and right. Clemson's got a few of them this year. They're leaving the middle of the season. That ain't happen at South Carolina. You know, and like, so if you're not going to pull for a guy because he was recruited by Will Muschamp, then you're a loser. I mean, you are a loser. You are a a huge loser.
2: And look, I mean, that makes no sense. I mean, did people did people not pull for Debo Samuel because he was a Spurrier recruit, or did he not? They not pull for Sidney Rice because uh, he was a Holtz recruit? Yeah, or Michael Flint. (laughs)
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm about
2: the one. Yeah. Right? Come on. Yeah. I just don't uh Come on, let's put the original one on. there. I, don't, I don't understand that. That would be the dumbest thing I've ever read. the stupidest
3: thing I've ever heard. I mean, read TV I mean, I mean would you would you not have pulled for Phil Petty? I mean, he was a Brad Scott guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, that, and Shelton Brown and Andre Goodman and
2: uh you know Lorel Johnson and all, you know, yeah,
0: those
2: are, those are, uh, Harding, uh, Shannon Wadley. You better pull for Shannon Wadley. Audie Bag he, Wadley. Audie Bags would get you. Uh, Jeff Foller says, go read TBS, especially when people dog on Birch. I love when JB talks about Birch because he's spot on. There are some people on the thebigspur.com that fancy themselves as football evaluators that don't know their butt from a hole in the ground, uh, just to be honest. Uh, I think they think they know. Uh, I also think they play a lot of Xbox uh, or, or PlayStation and expect uh, that level of performance. Like that's their that's their you know high watermark there. You know, you know you better look like you do on Xbox. They don't break down any other teams. They don't watch any other teams. They don't watch NFL. They don't watch film of high school players. They don't they don't they just look look at the Gamecocks and break it down and, and they have their Football for Dummies book open. Uh, and and they, 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 they go that I don't, you know, and now, now look, that's not everybody on TBS. There's a couple of guys or two or three guys that just watch film and talk about plays and offenses and X's and O's. And I respect that. I mean, those guys are a great read. Uh, it's when some of these folks cross into the talent evaluation end of it, uh, that, that, um, that bothers me because they, 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 they trash guys, uh, you know, I mean, like one of them has said for a long time how bad Jovan Gwynn is. And, and, and you know, it, it, he just won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Um, but people, uh, you know, people that, uh, you know, that, that do that, they, they normally i have found out when it comes to, to player evaluations, uh, either they're trying to be contrary in the hopes that they will someday be right, uh, or they just don't know. You know, and and all that. So I, I yeah, I don't have a problem. People that watch film are great. That's fine, but uh, don't 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 come and evaluate a guy based on what you think he should be uh, when you really don't know anything about player evaluation. Or don't uh, know anything about
3: what's going on with any of the kids. I mean, you just- yeah, I
2: mean and look, you know, uh, as far as the must champ guys versus uh, Beamer guys, I mean that that should have never been. And somebody did bring that up. I think a couple of fans brought that up uh the beginning of last year or something and and i, I kind of shut it down i was like nah man players are the players these are now these are shane beamer's players See, no, is- no 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 you know what they are
3: let me tell you what these guys are they're ain't must champ guys they're not beamer guys they're Gamecocks. that's what they are they put the jersey on it says carolina on front of it that's it period the end if you don't want to pull for a guy in your own uniform then go pull for somebody else I mean, there's no, there's nothing else to talk about. I mean, it, hey, if you want to – I saw it just a second ago. If you want to call a guy uh, – you want to call Debo a quitter? You want to call Spurrier a quitter? I hope you're going to seven games a year. hope you got your tickets because if you don't, then you're a quitter, by the way. You know? So, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody – that people that don't go to games are quitters. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. But if you're going to look at a kid – look, I didn't like that Debo didn't play in the bowl game. I didn't like that. I didn't care for it. I wish – we were back in the old days where, you, you know, you only get to do this so many times in your life. You're going to look back and you're going to miss that. Yeah. You know, you're going to wish that you played, okay? But I didn't call him a quitter either. You know, he, he made a decision for himself. I didn't like that Coach Spurrier hung it up in the middle of the season, even though he always said, when I'm done, I'm done. And he never lied to you. He was <laughs> he as honest. He could be. He was. But, um, you know what? Like, I – kept going to games, and so did most people that I know. So if you're going to tell somebody they're a quitter, I sure hope you don't stop going to football games because then you're a quitter. And if you say, well, I'm a quitter because they're a quitter, then you're a loser. I mean, I, it's just what it comes down to to me. I I can't stand people that are going to criticize these young men. Uh, you don't know them. You don't know anything about them. You know nothing about their families, nothing about what they go through personally, nothing – about what they go through on a day to day basis to make you happy about something you like. Also, by the way, know nothing about. And and then when they don't live up to snuff or they don't meet your standards, which are bogus. Xbox just, baby, yeah, that's right.
2: Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, oh, Jordan is a, a ninety nine. Ooh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a loser. I don't know. I, I think I think
2: it's probably a small group of fans. And, and somebody mentioned. Uh, haters post on facebook and stuff and you yeah but facebook comments it's amazing you you see some of these guys that post and they, they post with their real names to their credit on facebook and you'll see them throwing an, an f-bomb or something uh at a player or coach it's just horrendous what they say. said it just crosses all kinds of lines uh, and then you get on their their facebook page and they got a picture of the the cross and, and a Bible verse, and Jesus and the Lord. and You know, you're like, wow, bud, you know, that's a mighty yeah. uh, Christian of you to take to, to, to call up, uh, to throw an F bomb at a 17 year old, 18 year old kid. That's trying his butt <laughs> off. So Yeah. Uh, anyway, Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I did not know Jeff Allard that that was taking place, yeah, but I'll I, I, go through it. If I see anything like that, I'm I'll, I'll, I'll blast them. But anyway, we got to blast this break. More on the other side, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. As we roll, man, this this before we go, Phil, I just want to say this. So this week's flying by. This show has flown by. Yes, man. we are rolling. Oh, my
3: gosh, we are rolling. I know. No.
2: Uh, anyway, Bullish says, what hap-
3: That's what happens when you win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <that's>, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 this is kind of cruel, right. because it's like, well, you're just gonna,
3: you know, you're, you're gonna,
2: you're gonna make you make make time go slow after a loss. But great, oh man. yeah.
0: Before, I went
3: through a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of when I worked for ESPN, we did that pregame show, and uh the last year was 2019, and we had a lot of noon kickoffs that year, and we're out there at 5:30 in the morning setting up for a 7 a.m. show knowing nobody's gonna be listening to this crap. <laughs> you talking about a long morning. <laughs> what
0: 7 a.m. with
3: that
2: night kickoff against Ooh. or, or yeah, the other noon kickoffs and stuff. It was I'm uh, out
3: there. Working on uh, technical problems at 5.30 in the morning, knowing the Clemson's going to come in and beat the brakes off of us. At the yeah. And, and it was 25 degrees in Columbia that day. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hey, you know what? When you're winning, and technical problems, no problem. We'll figure it out. When you're it's losing, screw this. I hope it doesn't work. I was, <laughs>
2: I, I, was, I was actually in Chicago that day, the last 2019 Clemson game, man. And I uh, I was going to be good boyfriend and go to a, a Friendsgiving dim sum. Uh, and kickoff was, you know, and so we had to be there like 10, 15, so I'm like, well, I'll make it back for the second half. Uh, forgetting that it's the Clemson Carolina game, and I'm obviously not going to be very social uh, when I'm sitting there on my phone, and finally, Nat just left, and we just she just took me to the bar, and then I watched that butt whipping, but a uh, uh, little life lesson. Don't try to be Mr. Good Boyfriend or Husband and go to Friendsgiving. When Clemson's playing South Carolina, no matter how bad, you think it may get no. out of
1: hand. No. That's uh, <laughs> thing. All
2: right. You, well, know, we, you know better than that. God, I, did, I should have. I should have. But I was. I, I just moved up. And,
1: you, know, uh, you tried. You tried. Women. You put forth look, the effort. Look, I, I,
2: I, look what women do to you, JC. You're just <laughs> a train wreck. It's undefeated, brother. But anyway, we'll be back <laughs> after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show hump day rolls on right after this.
0: Gamecocks
2: attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. Very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing. Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org, McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services.
3: These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you?
2: Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana's Porch.com. Go there, food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah.
1: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown.
2: I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox, and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer, Guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
2: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues... And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly.
1: Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy, Matthew Odom today from heritage digital. Heritage digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California.
2: Yeah. I heard that monthly fees low too. So I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number?
1: Yeah, man. I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
2: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yep. time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right,
0: my man.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Second hour of Inside the Gamecocks is brought to you by the Burgesson team at REMAX at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call uh, or shoot them an email, Burgesson B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at rEMAX.net. And of course, the show is presented to you by Manscaped. Don't forget, 20% off using the code Bigspur at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code Bigspur at (laughs) manscaped.com.
2: All right, going to continue on with JB. Going to get you some questions from the Nana's Porch chat box. Jamie, are you ready? I know right. you can see it. I know you can see it.
3: I haven't looked at all of them, but
2: yeah,
1: they're coming in fast
2: well, Fast and furious. When I used to do Jamie at Goldwater, it was hard to ignore them too. I was like, well, wait a minute. I would always stop. At least put this guy here, you know. Uh, I used right.
1: to love when they were like, "Don't listen to that guy, Jason. Just don't. Even, we don't even." Do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is something that's interesting, right? You know, just yeah, it's like, hey, just calm down. You know, yeah, just, uh, you know something you know, great. Greg Atkins is not coached since Georgia State. Uh, right. Lottie Teasley has taken yep. uh, his his position. He was an analyst. Used to be the uh, offensive line coach at North Carolina A and T. Sometimes, man, I honestly think there's a lot of daggum good coaches in the lower levels, and they end up being really good. Uh, they just don't always get a shot. Well, he's made made the most of his shot. Jamie uh, Ryan says thoughts on him and what what are his chances of becoming the new O line coach? They yeah. seem to be improving a little each week.
3: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, my understanding is he has done a a really nice job in there with the offensive line, and um and I we've seen them improve. How much of that is on him? How much is on the players? I, I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, how much of that is on collectively everybody? Probably a little bit on everybody. Let's put it that way. It's probably been a collective effort that they've continued to improve. That said, what are his chances? Uh, impossible to answer that. It, it, it's going to depend on what happens with the offensive coordinator, right? I mean, if you if you have to go hire a new OC, generally he's going to have a bunch of say into whom he wants to work with around him. So, uh, you might hire a guy that's really interested in keeping this cat on as the, as the uh, O-line coach. You might have Marcus Satterfield, you know, come back for for a third season, and he's interested. and He's not interested. Uh, you might have Greg Atkins return. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the status is there. I don't. I don't think it's particularly good, but I, I don't know. Um, so, what? I, I think that's a really difficult question to answer because the the big um, the big uh, elephant in the room is who's calling the plays.
2: Yeah, I agree there. I, I, I think Lonnie's done a good job. I think too if you're because th- there's you know south carolina is sitting on what five pretty talented offensive line mm-hmm. commits right now yep. uh for this class i think if you're looking at it from a recruiting standpoint my understanding is uh these recruits love lonnie teasley um and you can kind of tell if you go to social media and see them interact and stuff uh, and you can see the guys tag him in a lot of their posts and, and coach atkins and stuff like that so uh but yeah i think he's done a good job and um uh you know so we'll see and as far as uh, Jamie's right though uh let's say hypothetically they do go try to poach Garrett Riley from TCU um Garrett Riley has his own offensive line guy right um you know and, and that he would want to bring same with like a Kendall Bryles or or anybody like that so uh that's kind of you know, one of those things that we'll wait and see what happens. Certainly, you know, my my thing is this. I I I just hope Greg Atkins' health is okay. I do too. Yeah. I think yeah, he's so. a good guy. Great guy. Uh, he's had a tough job the last two years, right? Uh hadn't forgotten how to coach O line, has a long track record. His son obviously is playing pretty well. Uh he and Wyatt Campbell are kind of the the unsung hero enforcers of the run game. Um and uh, and all that. So uh, I I just I just hope Coach Atkins is okay and he's with us for a long time. You know, because I I know that when your health gets to that point where you can't work, it's a serious situation, uh, no matter what. But as far as Teasley goes, uh, I'm with JB. I'm, I'm just uh, I think he's done a great job, but I don't know about maintaining him. I, but I'll say this, uh, just based on the work he's done, even if maybe he's not retained at Carolina, I think he'll easily get another job. No doubt. Yeah. So Tim says good day, guys. Good day, Tim. Good night, Tim. Tim's from down under, I think. Yeah, that's 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 Tim. I remember him. Feels like next week is such an important game for the program. Build off a great win and generate real momentum and an, uh, or another defeating loss with high expectations. Thoughts up the cocks. That's what they say out there. They say they're up the cocks. <laughs> All right. Got a catheter. Yeah, well, I'm getting a catheter today. Up the cocks. Yeah, I the cocks, saw, right? Yeah, saw
1: what the well, inside of my bladder looked like one time. That was not a fun experience.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, I, I think it's a big game. Um, oh me.
3: yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Tim. Well, thank you so much for the comment. I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, be anything other than what I am, which is just pretty pointed. Um, I think we all know how important this game is. I mean, you okay, first of all, you never beat them. It'd be nice to do that for once. once. Uh, then you get to five wins, and you you – it's never a guarantee, of course, but let's put it this way. If you win that game, guys, you're going to be expected to be seven and two going into the swamp. Okay. Um, and now you're, if you win next week's game, I don't know that you're in the top 25 just yet. I think there's still going to be plenty of voters who will be reluctant to put South Carolina in there, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. they, they, they have. One games in the past, and then they couldn't build on that. And then, you know, you kind of feel like you're back to square one. Now, if you go out and you beat the hell out of them, Yeah, you, you might crack in there at 24 or 25. If not, you're probably going to need to beat Missouri to be able to be into it. get in there. And then guess what? You're on the radar. And and that's big. You know, you know, from a cr- recruiting standpoint, it's like, wow, they have weathered the storm. I mean, they, they're starting to figure this thing out here. Hold on just a second. All that conversation everybody had about, well, Arkansas, look well how far along they are in year three and yada, yada, yada. Well, actually, you went next week and then you beat Missouri and then you beat Vanderbilt. And I'm, I'm getting way down the road here. But if you look up in the next 12 quarters and you're at seven and two, uh, you're further along than Sam Pittman was with Arkansas in year two. So, yeah, there's a lot riding on it. With that, with all that said, if they don't win the game, all hope is not lost. You know, you're at four and three. Let's re- let's remind ourselves. Although AM has had their struggles this year, they have some injury issues. I think the three of their losses are probably combined like eleven points. You know, so like you know, they're they're a talented football team. Mentally, I don't know where they are. You know, we'll have to figure out figure that out when they stroll in. Luckily, the game's at night. Um, but if they don't win the game, it'll be very dis- disappointing for South Carolina fans and for the most importantly for the players in the program. But uh, they won't let it deflate them because they got two very winnable games back-to-back right after that, Missouri and Vanderbilt. And you could all of a sudden look up and go, well, shoot, they're 6-3. and three. They're going bowling. And uh, you got to go to the swamp now. And, and Florida's not unbeatable either. And then we, we all know what lies after that. But these next four weeks are pretty valuable, and A&M certainly tease that up. Yeah,
2: I, I don't think there's a game left on the schedule. South Carolina cannot win uh, in certain scenarios, and that includes the game at the end of the two at the end of the year. I, the- you
3: know what, JC? My thought process, even with the win over Kentucky, has not changed from last week. Every game left on the schedule is winnable. Every game left on the schedule is losable.
2: Oh, yeah, same same here. Even Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt showing signs of life on offense this year. Uh, of course – uh, their defense sort of fell apart against Ole Miss in a, in, a, in a dramatically bad way. But uh, uh, it's uh, – going up there is scary because those Vandy kids aren't going to – they're not going to flinch if they need to win, you know. No. Missouri's not going to come in here scared of South Carolina. They've had three heartbreaking losses to start SEC play. Um, and and m is going to want to – I mean, you know, what What? What scares me a little from a game kind perspective about them going with – you know, their five-star true freshman, Connor Weigman, uh, is that a lot of times, and we've seen it around here. I talked about it at the top of the show, JB, you know, you'll see a freshman quarterback come in and spark the team. Uh, <laughs> not always, not always yep. but Tanny Hill and Bentley. We lived through that one. Right. Uh, even gosh, Steven was a red shirt freshman, but, uh, I remember uh, in, in 08 when the Gamecocks won at Kentucky, Spurrier got frustrated with Smelly and just threw Garcia out there and got guy played his butt off and Carolina won the game. I mean, so I, I think in college football we've seen this. You know, at Clemson, it's happened at Clemson with uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, where the the, the hotshot freshman comes in. So I look at it like that, like, oh, that may be scary. But then I also look at it from the standpoint of, if he were ready to play, would he be? Would he be the third team
3: guy? Uh, he would have already been playing. Yeah, he would have already been playing. And JC, I, you know this. This is. Uh, I, I'm a big what happens on the field guy. I love yeah. all the the hype and all those type things. It's it's so I love the videos they put out. They do it for the fans, clearly, and and it's not it's hard not to enjoy it. With all that said, let me say this. And we'll talk about it more next week, of course. Next Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium is what Coach Tanner and Shane Beamer envisioned when they signed him to be the head coach. Period. Of the end. That's what they envisioned. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be nippy. Uh, it's going to be dark. And it's going to be loud. And that is the environment that they envisioned when Shane Beamer became the head coach. We have got to get this back. We saw it so much forever. We, Bryce forever, has presented these I-remember-everything-about-that-game moments. Like, they from your whole life, J.C., Phil, my whole life, we, we, we had been in environments that you just can't describe until you get in there and you go, you see what I was talking about? Oh, my God, you're right. This place is nuts. Next Saturday night, at least the start of the game and the, and the energy leading into the ball game is exactly what they envisioned when they signed Shane. This is what you're going to get if you give these people a reason to be excited. And they've given Carolina a reason to be excited. Carolina fans are going, we got an opportunity. So here's what I'm saying. Poor Connor Wegman. I (laughs) hope he plays because if he walks in and he sees that he's going to poop his pants, it's just going to happen. I'm going to give this fan base that much credit. Because they have been craving this moment, guys. We've seen under Coach Muschamp and last year under Coach Beamer and early this year, you know, of course, with sold out crowds, whether they were totally sold out or not, even though they announced as a sellout, they were pretty darn close to it. And then we've seen some big crowds under Will. Um, You know, you go back really, I think the last environment that I truly am like, oh my God, it was something that you just don't understand. Forget anything that happened this year was 2012 Georgia. Like twenty twelve Georgia, probably uh, uh probably twenty fourteen Georgia, but something that was taken away because of the weather, but the hype going into the game. Um, Carolina at that point in time was actually still ranked, even though AM had beaten the brakes off of them. Like there was there, there it's just been, I think, a decade, honestly. I mean, y'all can maybe y'all can find another one in there. I I don't think I can, where you truly felt like okay, going into that Georgia game in 2012, it was a six five matchup, right? And we felt like, holy crap, if we beat them, we're going to be in contention for a national championship. Y'all remember that? Because we thought, we thought if we beat Georgia, that we've got a chance to win a national championship. That's what we thought in 2012. And now, th- that's not the case on Saturday, next Saturday night. Come on. But it's like, oh, my God, finally. If we beat A&M, <laughs> we got a chance to finally be damn good again. Like, we might actually be good again, guys. We might look up and be five and two, six and two. When's the last time we were six and two? So, you put that environment, I don't care if he's a five-star or four-star or anything like that, on a kid that has not thrown a damn pass this season. Mm. All right. I like it. I'll give Carolina fans that credit because they've been showing up and they will be loud and drunk next Saturday. I know that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, JB. I I think, you know, you're sitting there on the precipice of the program itself kind of falling off into the abyss, right? Like JC likes to say. Um, But you hit the nail on the head. This is why you brought Shane Beamer in here. This is exactly the environment that you know can happen. Uh, and yeah. it's just another step forward in building this momentum. That's I think that's the thing that really sticks out for me this season is it seems like every time the product hits the field, it's a little better than it was the week before, and that's exactly what you want to see. No it's regression. Everybody player. moving forward, even if it's just small incremental changes, it goes back to their 1% philosophy this year, and mm-hmm. I think it's paying off dividends. I'm not you know, picking the game for Saturday yet. I'm still going to look at this, but – yeah, that freshman is gonna really have it coming to him.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and Haynes King too. I like him. He's a good quarterback. Look, I, I I have a lot of faith in this Shane, guys, as we know from day one, has him embraced the outside world as much as he can. Most coaches don't. You know, Steve was was coaching ball. I appreciate the fans. God smiling on the game couch today, you know, things like that. You know um will always made sure to thank the fans, but will was focused on on the the team you know he didn't get really involved in the outside world uh of Gamecock football. Shane has embraced the environment right it, he's embraced it and and he uh i mean i I think the most powerful thing that I've seen because it gave me goosebumps because it's all of us, Craig and Tim and Jared and Doc and all these guys um. That, that you know, however many hundreds of people are watching the thing now, and how many thousands are going to end up watching and listening to it, everybody's got this story, right? We've all got a story if we've been around this program a long time, and for all of us, we've been around it our whole lives, and somehow we're still alive. Um, but, like, but I think one of the most powerful things that happened was when Shane took that program up there into the West Upper and said, "These people would pay a lot of money to walk their rear ends down the street, sit up here and watch you play." Okay, because a lot of guys they don't they don't get it. You know, they didn't really grow up going to football games. They were football players. You know, a lot of them come from, from environments and families and communities where they don't they – don't, unfortunately, they don't have the opportunities to be able to go do that. And, and, and you wish everybody had those opportunities, but they don't. And so they don't know what it's like to spend hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars a season to go spend your time skipping weddings and funerals and all kinds of things. Like, who died? yeah, Uncle Jerry, you know, good luck to him. He'll be fine. You know, I'm going to watch the Cox play this weekend. They don't know what that commitment's like. And so Shane walks everybody up there and says, these people are committed to you. You know, and that's, that helps. When your head coach acknowledges that, your team, maybe not all of them, but most of them, they look around and they absorb that. They, get, they start to get it a little bit, you know. And, they, and then you crave it. Now that becomes a drug. And so next Saturday night, this team, while you sure hope, and, I, and we know that they will, this staff will have them focused on the football game. When they run out of that tunnel, they're going to look around. They're going to be able to pat themselves on the back. And they're going to be able to say, we got, every, we got ourselves to thank because we, we did this. These people are here for us. It's time to put on a show. Let's give them what they deserve out here tonight. And, and that's why I think, I don't know if they'll win the game, but I know they're going to leave every damn thing they have on the field. And, and they're going to give A&M all they've got. If they get held back for some other reason, you know, coaching decisions or something like that, we'll fuss that – fuss and discuss that later. But for the next 10 days, this football program, these kids, they, they know what's going to be supporting them Saturday night. And that's why – Okay, I, you want to bring a true freshman in there and start him at quarterback? I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> Gamecocks at 8 a and next Saturday night
2: 7.30. By the way, Marshawn Lloyd, guys has more uh, rushing yards this year than uh,
3: Tank Bigsby.
1: I saw that, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And also hey, – you, you know what, by the way, though? I wonder – I don't. I know, you know, you never know whether Tank regrets or not. You know, you just don't know those things. Uh, I hope he doesn't regret it. I hope he's happy where he is. But, oh, boy, that offense, that, that system over there has just screwed him in the ground. He's going to play in the NFL for a long time. He's really good.
2: Henry Parrish, who was another uh, Gamecock target who ended up going to Ole Miss. Also, less rushing yards than Marshawn Lloyd. You guys mentioned it. Marshawn, first in the SEC in total touchdowns with nine. Uh, leader in the country is Israel Abanikanda from Michigan. Uh, with 13, Blake Hor from Michigan. I mean, sorry, from Pittsburgh. Blake Hor from Michigan, 11. Bijan Robinson, 11. Malik Cunningham, the quarterback from Louisville. Uh, right there. So, so, so Marshawn's ninth, or I'm sorry, fourth it, as far as running backs and total touchdowns go this year. Uh, pretty impressive start for him. Poll, good. whole question today was, is he the team MVP at the halfway point? Uh, uh, talking about players. I know we, we can say Pete Limbo's probably <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, but as far as players go, JB, what say you?
3: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He yeah. you can't win in this league unless you can run the football. Um, and um, you know, we didn't run football first couple of weeks and we didn't win. But uh they ran it Saturday and they won. So yeah, he's a he's the team MVP. Yeah,
2: at. our poll question 91.9% on Twitter says yes. Yeah. So yeah, so that's pretty yeah. good. Well, JB, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Uh, or
3: I run, let me mention this too. I, I thought this is important though, and, and I know next week it'll it'll be more important. You do they're gonna play October 22nd. All right, and then the last Game that they lost was September seventeenth. That was against Georgia. They're gonna have gone five weeks without losing a football game. Three wins in that five week span, right? That Mm -hmm. matters. That matters. You know, Clemson, Georgia, Bama teams like that that aren't used to losing. They would hear a stat like that and they chuckle, and they should. They're the best. They're the best teams in the country. You know, they don't ever lose. But when you've been used to losing the last few years, like South Carolina has been, that's where things start to change, guys. When when you you kind of start to forget how to how to lose, and you start to remind yourself how to win, it, that's where you start changing your program. Uh, you just learn how to win. And, yeah, they were going to beat those two teams that they played, Charlotte and Sacramento State. But last week you almost got that feeling that it was like, we're not going to let ourselves lose this game. We're not going to let – you know, this the opening turnover and all that stuff, we're not going to let that take us out of the game. And I think they're learning how to win. And the more time, the more confidence they get there, I think the better they're going to continue to be. Five weeks since their last loss the next time they play. That's very important. Yeah, and I, and I mm-hmm. think that's,
2: that's partly, you know, the reason, you know, we, we had a Clemson fan in the chat box earlier that infiltrated the show. Uh, that was all about Kentucky being uh, gutted and mediocre and all that. Uh, and everybody so was
3: closed the entire ACC. Yeah, everybody was yeah,
2: a good point. Everybody was complaining about the two uh, 50, 56, 20, 50 to 10. Uh, and look, that's fine for fans, analysts, everybody to sit there and go, Hey, well, we don't know much because of the opponent or whatever, but the kids, the players, there's something to be said for winning and losing. And when you're a player and I think that the players don't necessarily look at it like, Oh my God, you know, uh, Marshawn Lloyd's not looking at it going, Oh my god, how bad was Charlotte? They're late. Marshawn's looking at it going, Hey, I finally had a huge game running the ball, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll remind everybody too, there's been games against the likes of Troy and East Carolina and Vanderbilt last year that were not blowout wins, <laughs>
3: no.
2: you know, and uh, the Carolina didn't. And you can debate whether these guys this year were as good as they were not, but still, I'm saying. Those two wins I think got everybody right. Uh, and it was just a much more confident football team in Lexington uh Saturday night. All right, JB, yeah, we'll run to, it was good to beat those guys. Uh we'll talk to you next week, brother. Adios, amigos. Appreciate it. Take care. Is there- Jamie Bradford joins us every Wednesday. Thanks to all the Natasports chat boxers. Um, uh, once again, if you want to bid on those seats for Texas AM. Uh, to help Carolina rise, uh, the auction is up to eight fifty. dollars 50 They're uh, lodge seats, so you get a table, you get a video board. I think you get a waitress. I'm not sure about the waitress or waiter, but uh, it's the Traditions Club. They're right on the $50. Uh, shoot us an email uh, if you would like to bid on that. There's four of them, uh, so you know, you're know you looking at paying maybe a little bit over face uh, for them, maybe 100 bucks. But it goes to help NIL deals at Carolina, right? Uh, And so that'll be good. Thanks to everybody that uh, chimed in today. We'll be back tomorrow, Phil, as this week rolls on, right on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have a wonderful hump day, everyone, and we'll holla at you soon.